0: Bismillahir Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Imam Fuad, how are you?
1: Wa alaikum, salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I am fine. How are you, Brother Rashad?
0: Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. And uh, just to get us into the rhythm of things, uh, welcome everyone to the Transformation Podcast by Muslim American Society. This is Rashad Norze. I'm with Imam Fuad Muhammad. And uh, today I think we have another. Uh, uh, another great conversation lined up. So um, we've been continuing on the series uh, <laughs> focused on the book, Transformed by Worship. Mashallah from from youth and, and members in the chapter here in the California area, we have a lot of excitement around the book. Um, I yeah, thought you know, reading that. books was a thing of the past, but I have young people, high school kids, students, um, you know, college age, young professionals that are looking to get their hands on the actual physical copy of the book and have kicked off a book club. So it's really exciting and very inspiring uh, to see that they're taking that uh, on by themselves.
1: Oh, mashallah, that's really wonderful to hear. Maybe we can invite you know, one of them, once they're done with the book club, to come and join us and share their thoughts on, on the book itself.
0: That's a great idea. I actually, I'll reach out to them and there's quite a few of them that are really articulate and well-spoken and have, from my conversations with them, have some excellent ideas. So I think that would be a lot of fun to do.
1: Yeah, subhanAllah. It's good to get, you know, people engaged in this book. It's it's a really important book for, you know, especially uh, English readers, for them to have something like this that can benefit them in all aspects of their religion. Something that, you know, it's an easy book to read. It's a book that you can enjoy. It's not, you know, a book that's just filled with knowledge, but things that you can actually you can digest it and, and, you know, read it and talk about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, In fact, I, I, I would definitely agree with that sentiment. I've noticed it has a good balance between, like, it being simple to read and straightforward, mm-hmm. but at mm-hmm. the same time giving you, like, beautiful ayat and hadith and even stories uh, from the Sahaba or even, you know, relevant um, quotes from modern thinkers so I, it it is actually a really excellent source of bringing a lot of academic sort of uh quality material together but mm-hmm. still put together in a way that that flows easily and uh is enjoyable to read
1: yeah and and i think that you know this is one of the books that you, th- there's no age requirement for you to be able to read it you know anybody can pick it up and say okay let me see what uh you know the concepts inside they're not uh, they're not you know challenging concepts or concepts that are very hard these are things that anybody can understand. So that's, you know, that's my appeal to this book. And even if middle schoolers picked it up, they'll find benefit in this book.
0: Yeah. And I, I like, um you know, you really motivated me and inspired me uh, when you mentioned about reading it uh, with your kids and sort of sharing it uh, in, in khatras in the community. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I had an opportunity to give a khutbah recently and uh, the first thought to me was how can I leverage, you know, some of the, the concepts in this book and this book itself. And mm-hmm. to be frank, you know, I couldn't escape the fact that the book itself is is organized in such a effective way that mm-hmm. it allows you to create, you know, khutbas for each of the different sections. And I actually focused on, you know, just introducing the book um, and several people afterwards uh, reached out and were interested in, in getting a copy of their own. So, alhamdulillah, I just yeah. want to highlight again. You know, this book is titled "Transformed by Worship: um, The Tadbi Effects of Ritual Worship in Islam," is by Dr. Salah Sultan, originally uh, in Arabic. And may Allah free him and make easy, <clears throat> make it easy for his family. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, he's in prison currently. Mm. But also to highlight, I think it, this is something that um, a lot of us would not have had the opportunity to to read if it wasn't translated by the mass publishing team. And this book particularly was translated by Abdul Menem Mustafa uh, with Maha Ezzedine and Raihan Al-Alami. Uh, mashallah. As the uh, director of publishing for mass publishing. So I, I, I had to give them credit because that's the reason I can hold this, uh, this beautifully designed and really well adapted and translated book um, to reach, uh, you know, my, my thoughts in my mind, and that I could share with other people. So may Allah reward them and uh,
1: Amen, increase
0: their uh, their b- blessing in this life and the next. Um, so before before it's, it's I realize everything we do, we can't escape. This book keeps drawing us back to it. But yeah. um, uh, I thought we'd we'd kind of start out a little bit lighter and and see kind of what we what was going on in the last week with you. It's been a couple of weeks actually since we recorded. Um, and it feels like maybe one of the, not the biggest event, but an event at least that's relevant uh, in our uh, time in this last week was the Super Bowl. So I thought I'd ask you about that. Did you get to watch that game? What would you think?
1: Oh, subhanallah. So, um, you know, you Super Bowls, they're, it's a very big event, you know, for us being Americans. There's over 100 million people that are watching it. And uh, I got to watch the first half, like majority of the first half. I was I was babysitting at home. This was this was different than you know other Super Bowls, because other Super Bowls usually you know if Seattle's playing, then the brothers will get together, the Masjids will be having, you know the centers they will have the the uh, the showing, and families would come together. But this one, because you know Seattle's not playing, and you can't get people just you know to to come if their favorite team's not playing. So Alhamdulillah, I was able to keep an eye on it while I was watching my kids. So nice. the first half, I was able to watch majority of it. Were you rooting
0: for the West Coast team, the the Forty Niners?
1: Um, not in the <laughs> beginning. You know when. uh <laughs> So when I watch sports, uh, I usually support whoever's losing, you know? Like right. if my favorite team's not playing, I'll maybe watch the first quarter or the first 10-7 minutes and whoever's down, I'm going to be like, "Okay, this is the team that we're going to support now." You gotcha. know, let them, you know, let them come up and and try to win. So in the beginning, I was uh, rooting for Kansas City. Uh when it was 3-0, then it went to 7-0, I was like, "Okay, let this, you know, the 49ers catch up." And then you guys were dominating until uh, I hear the last, you know, the last five minutes.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. I talked to a few people about it. Um, some people went. To, we had one of the Halacha brothers invited us over. Um, mm-hmm. I couldn't go there myself. I, I saw it at home with family. Um, it was mm-hmm. a, a fun game to watch. You know, I, I don't follow the NFL as closely um, mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, but uh, also just the lack of time. But I really enjoyed the game. It gives people an opportunity to come together. Sometimes, um, I haven't really been a big 49er fan. Um, yeah. I know There are many out there. They've been doing better, you know. But there's also the long. The, the 49ers have a long history, you know, with a lot of greats that have played.
2: Um, yeah. yeah. So
0: definitely value there. I wanted to highlight two things uh, that I thought were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one that from the game itself, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't escape to notice that at the end. You know, I thought the game was over. You know, even ten points. And um, I heard from the brothers that went to that uh, that party that they had that mm-hmm. they one of the brothers actually said, "Great, let's cut the cake." You know, this game is over. So <laughs> they, they cut the dessert, and, the dessert cake. and then uh, everyone I think was surprised. And I personally know some some close friends and family who were. Very, you know, avid football player, uh, football watchers and really enjoy the game there. I have a good uh, family friend who has, you know, season tickets at the game. So I can't even imagine what it felt like, you know, to be in in that, uh, in in his shoes, you know, to kind of feel like it's so close. But then um, it
1: gets knifed away.
0: Exactly. And I felt like sometimes that's uh, it's an important reminder. You know, you can never really. Uh, give up until until done done right until it's mm-hmm. over. So you really and I, I'm not saying they gave up, but uh, I think the the Chiefs did an excellent job. They played a great game,
2: um, yeah. but things
0: are things you shouldn't always resort to how things feel or, or are currently. And mm-hmm. kind of made me reflect on the fact that around the world there are issues, um, you know, whether it's viruses, whether it's war other types of economic issues or political issues and um, they might feel like what it is today this Mm is all of life and in fact some people whether they've lived 10 years on this earth or 20 or 30 or 40 they might have lived you know and in very uh, difficult times and yet you know the end is not the end and there is always an opportunity for something to change Somehow, externally, internally, and of course, uh, when, we, when we have the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of the universe, in fact, there is nothing in front of him that is of any, you know, uh, challenge. Uh, he has the full capacity and power for, for anything, of course. So that's something I thought about, you know, uh, just thinking over the end of that game afterwards.
1: Subhanallah. That is, you know, this is this is why you are the Tarbiya director. You're able to draw, you know, all of these conclusions out of simple, you know, things that for me the whole time I was watching it, I was only thinking about what is going on in the game, you know. But um, there is one thing that now that I'm thinking about it that I realize is that you know these sports, they are. You really have two options at the end. It is, you know, the sweetness of victory or the agony of of, of losing. Mm. There is no, there's there's no in between. You know that you either lost or you won, and this is how almost everything generally is in life, and especially as, us as Muslims, this is how it is going to be in the akhirah. So may Allah subhanahu mm. wa taala give us the joys of victory on that day. I mean, were
0: beautifully put. Yeah,
1: and you know, t- towards the end, I started. Uh, I wanna, you know, I'm in a few group chats with the brothers from California. So when I realized that there was a Muslim brother on uh, the Forty ers obviously at that time, I started, you know, wanting them to win and cheering for them. But Alhamdulillah, it didn't work out.
0: You know, it's uh, it's something interesting that you mentioned uh, a Muslim player in the NFL. I came across. I listened to another podcast, The Swiss Cast, by uh, Imam Suhaib Webb.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: he has an episode from before the Super Bowl. This is like six days ago, yeah, and he he has an episode with Ryan Harris, who is a Muslim who plays in uh in the n f l he played at Notre dame, he won actually a, a Super Bowl ring with the Denver Broncos in twenty fifteen mm-hmm. and he's like uh he's a commentator on sports radio now, so he actually also wrote a book um and he talks about like the mindset for mastery. So I highly recommend everyone to listen to this episode. Uh, It's Swisscast with Imam Soheib Webb. You can look it up. Um, It's only 45, 47 minutes, but it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I had never even thought about before. I -hmm. think he asked some great questions. They had a great conversation about the Super Bowl itself. So, of course, they're talking about the Super Bowl before it happened. So their analysis, his analysis is also very interesting. You know, sometimes when you think about it afterwards, you hear what people were saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he had a really good analysis, but more so what he said about his experience, um, you know, how he became Muslim, what his life Mm -hmm. was like, what it's like to play uh, as a Muslim in the NFL. But overall, what it's like to be a championship, to, to be a champion, to have that mindset so i really encourage everyone to listen to that if they get a chance he, uh, he has a book ryan harris that I, I just got on audible um i might get the physical book as well and i'm really interested to read it um talks about that mindset for mastery so i thought that was something i just wanted to share cuz it came across it afterwards and mm-hmm. it was relevant and i think it'd be really valuable um mm-hmm. and i'll yeah. share one last thing and i know we can we can switch topics but i I know some places they had Super Bowl parties, um, and one of the brothers uh, in our in our chapter here, he highlighted some great points about why we should be we should be more aware of issues, even mm-hmm. when they're related to matters that don't seem very they seem very mundane, right?
2: Yeah. Like the
0: Super Bowl, a lot of times people take these sports things as this is just some entertainment. We enjoy it. Of course, someone could even get distracted uh, by that entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. If it' leads them if that inter- if that 's something that's that 's had itself but it leads you to something that uh like missing your prayer, then of course you should be more aware of that but he highlighted a couple of points if you don 't mind i 'll share them here yeah, so I think yeah, there I'm are always. points that that we should be uh thinking about so he said one obviously the concussion issue
2: um mm-hmm.
0: the the sport itself is a sport that has led to many people uh uh facing very severe chronic, you know, life-ending, even injuries or injuries that are sustained over long periods of time. So it's not like, um, it's not, of course, people get injured on the field, but these are the types of injuries that happen after playing, you know, for many years
2: and yeah. they impact
0: your brain in a way that affects their lives. No one really talks about that, right? So there is this culture of let's enjoy the game. They're hitting each other. There's like this kind of macho-ness to it. We all love to to see, you know, a great hit. Even the announcers talk about it, uh, but in reality, that is having uh, you know a very serious impact in their lives, uh-huh. um, and it's an issue that there's more awareness about it now than it, there was in the past. Mm-hmm. But it's something that we should still be paying attention to because, of course, we want to see a, you know an entertainment and a sport, but we want to see for those individuals a healthy life, a mm-hmm. future for their After. family, for the future. Uh, you know, we want these uh, these fathers, these people to be part of the lives of their family the long term. So that was one. OK. Other, and feel free to, to jump in on any of these. But the other points that he mentioned is that NFL teams, they said he said they're often put in cities where and their stadiums are in debt. So the team is, is uh, there's only one team that's actually owned by the city. Uh, so what, what wow. that means is that economically. Um, the the team owners are making a lot of money from the people in the city, but mm-hmm. the benefits of that never go to the city. And I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have, I wish I had, a, I would love for if anyone has more citations and more references, um, mm-hmm. to look at the data behind this, but that's an unfortunate situation, right? You have the sport yeah, uh, based on your city, you know, it's, it's uh, the 49ers it's San Francisco or uh, Kansas city or whatever other city it might be. Yeah. But, um, if if only the owners are making the money and nobody else is benefiting from it, the the city itself, it seems like there is something unfair there uh, in terms of its impact on on the larger city. Um, but uh, well, I, yeah,
1: I really thought that uh, the city benefited from having, you know these these type of sports teams.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not I. I would love to know more about that. Maybe if I get a chance, I'll, uh, I'll invite uh, this brother to join us one time to talk more about some of mm-hmm. these issues. Yeah. Um, he does actually mention um, uh, a good article on thenation.com uh, mm-hmm. about Super Bowl protest. Uh, so uh, if anyone wants to look that up, they could read more about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, he talks about the, 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 the racism that exists within the the, organ- the industry itself. Um, The fact that there's a majority of black players, but only uh, really three coaches of color. So there are, I think, some some internal challenges to uh, to how the sport has been running or this industry has been running for a long time. Um, That's important to note. Uh, The one we've seen more recently is obviously the suppression of freedom of speech. Someone like Colin Kaepernick from Mm -hmm. San Francisco with this team, uh, when he was using, you know, his platform to speak out, even in, in a very, uh, in a very simple way, you know, he was basically just kneeling during yeah. the national anthem, right? He wasn't, he wasn't, it wasn't something that was necessarily harming uh, anyone. It, it was a positive thing. And instead of it being embraced, instead of it being supported, um, basically, he is, you know, essentially blocked, you know, from, from being part of the NFL,
2: uh, yeah, yeah.
0: attention he got and other people have as well um, mm-hmm. saying that his speaking out is you know, something that worked negatively again mm-hmm. so that's that's a fifth mm-hmm. one, there is a sixth one or, or another one here um, yeah. this is a very difficult one because we often don't notice it it's something mm-hmm. that happens behind the scenes it's not even related to the sport itself yeah. it's related to human trafficking and sex trafficking This Mm -hmm. is a major issue that exists, and it follows big events like this. So Mm -hmm. often, wherever the Super Bowl is, you will have, you know, increased rate of human trafficking and sex trafficking that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a Washington Times uh, report, WashingtonTimes.com, about Mm -hmm. Super Bowl Bowl Sundays, uh, sad and seedy sex trafficking. So there's some articles out there for everyone to read. Um, I thought I, I couldn't have a conversation about the Super Bowl and not mention some of these points
1: Yes, yeah,
0: points for, for us to be aware of, because we're not just, you know, we're not just here. We're, we're trying to be conscious, you know, citizens. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it means to be a Muslim. You know, we pay attention to where, how our f- food is, uh, you know, slaughtered, how we earn our wealth and how we spend it. We pay mm-hmm. attention to you know um, the things we, we intake, uh, the food that we eat. So there's areas where alhamdulillah, our uh, our dean has given us a balanced approach, and yeah. I think it's an important one as well. Even if it's entertainment, even if it's sports, we yeah. want to be a part of the issues that are that exist and be a part of, you know, being a solution for them rather than just um, letting them wash wash by.
1: Yeah, والله subhanallah you know there's there's a hadith of the prophet where he says you know a person that wakes up in the morning without a concern of, of what is happening in the world or what is happening to his brothers is he's, he's not one of us. So you know it's good to know what is you know generally going on around the world and what is happening to the muslims and what is happening to every single person that you know is here that will possibly affect how we live our lives. Alhamdulillah you know these are the sad reality is is not only is it super bowls that any major event whenever it comes to a city you know the sex trafficking and the uh, the human trafficking increases you know there are people that are going to be kidnapped and thrown into this lifestyle that they're not choosing for themselves and you know being forced to do all of these things when there's a huge gathering of people you know so uh, we, we this is something that it's it's very sad and we need to find a way to you know, completely eradicate it. And inshallah, soon we'll be able to do that. Alhamdulillah, yeah. one one other thing that happened this week that, you know, I would like to mention uh, a little bit. On Monday, uh, the Seattle City Council, alhamdulillah, they passed a resolution. I believe the number was uh, 31296. It was a resolution to condemn and to stand against, uh, I believe, the Citizenship Amendment Act in India. okay. You know, yeah, so it's uh, just a little, you know, a little background. The Citizenship Amendment Act is basically a uh, a fast track to citizenship for minorities that are being oppressed in, in different countries mm-hmm. uh, around India. But what it does is it excludes Muslims and Jews. So uh, I was invited mm-hmm. by the, you know, the Muslim Indian community and uh, different other members of the community to go down to City Hall and, uh, you know, show our support uh, against um, this this uh this act so alhamdulillah it was good to go down to city council and see all of uh, you know the people that were against us the people that uh were not uh, the, the people that were supporting us and this was you know the first time that i have ever been to these type of things you know i tend to usually stay away from uh you know the like politics and how you know how things are handled usually i don't you know involve myself But Alhamdulillah, this time I decided, you know, let me see if, uh, you know, if if we can make a difference by telling them to uh, pass this resolution. We sent uh, over 2,000 emails were sent, Alhamdulillah, and there was a lot of supporters there. There are some people that showed up 6 in the morning for a hearing that was going to take place at 2 p.m., Mm. you know? So Alhamdulillah, it was was passed and uh, they'll send a letter to the Indian government and to Congress to... Apply more pressure on them. So, Alhamdulillah, that's one thing that has happened. And it's truly sad, you know what is what is going on in India to the, you know, to the Muslims, whether it's in Kashmir or whether it's in, you know, the all of India. We have over two hundred million Muslims, and they are the minorities in that country yeah that's
0: an incredible number actually i you know didn't even realize that number. I heard recently about some numbers, and may Allah make it easy for them and,
2: and mm-hmm.
0: so I uh, so many things to say, I and mean, obviously the fact that you and you're engaged and I think that's one of the qualities that we're trying to embody in mm-hmm. uh, in, in being a complete Muslim uh, mm-hmm. in the Tarbiyah program in mass. We have five qualities that we're trying to embody, one of them is exemplary citizen. And Mm -hmm. this is a great first step to be aware of what's happening in your local community, to be involved and to be a voice for, you know, positive change at Mm -hmm. that level, whether it's the city level, whether it's the state level, or even at the Mm -hmm. national level, we -hmm. always have an opportunity. And of course, you know, sometimes people look at this and say, ah, what is this one little thing going to do? Right? Truth is, we don't know, but this is one little thing that we can do. And so, Mm -hmm. If, if this is a, something I was reflecting on the other day, I, I love to eat, you know, uh, we say khurma in Farsi, but mm-hmm. dates I mean, um, you know, the fruit, obviously. And yeah. so the other day I ate a date, I just ate a whole date, you know, and I yeah. remembered sort of the uh, the narration of the Prophet ﷺ to, to share, you know, even to give, uh, tadaqah, even if it's half a date.
1: SubhanAllah. And,
0: Sometimes we, we overlook that any small amount of what we do mm-hmm. if when it comes from that sincere intention and for the sake of Allah could have it will have a big impact whether or not we see that impact. You know, it's in Allah's hands what the outcome is in these issues around the world and even for us. But of yeah, course, yeah. Uh, our role is, is important. And I do believe Seattle is actually uh, is obviously very progressive. And so they're often ahead of the curve in a lot of these issues and more aware of these issues uh, than maybe other cities across the country. So, mashallah, that's a a great one to hear about. I've been trying to get uh, Ismahan, the the new uh, director of Mass Pace, um, Mm -hmm. on a podcast. So I'm hoping to start something with her or she'll be starting something soon. Uh, They have monthly webinars that they've kicked off in January and they're going to have them in February. So yeah. whoever is into that that activism space and that social justice space, uh, civic engagement, um, this is a great way to get connected. Uh, she's leading that work and helping to kick it off in many cities across the country, inshallah.
1: Allah, may Allah reward her for it and, and make her path very easy for her and allow us to be you know very engaged in what is going on in our cities.
0: I mean, uh, I feel like we opened uh, not necessarily uh, – not a can of worms, but we've opened up. Uh, when you talk about relevant issues, once you think of one, then you think of the next, and the next. Yeah. Of course, there's the issue going on in China and the, the virus. That's been in addition to the fact of what what oppression they're doing to the Uyghur. Mm-hmm. there. Uh, there's also in the last week there has been the quote-unquote Middle East peace plan. You know. For,
1: yeah, Subhanallah.
0: Uh, make the air quotes that I'm <laughs> doing big enough. You know. Yeah. But um, there's so much to be said about that. I think you know we'll we'll get a chance. I hope to discuss more of these topics. Mm-hmm. But I think for for today, I hope we can touch on a small part of uh, of the book. Inshallah. So, does that sound good?
1: That's that's perfect. Inshallah.
0: So we'll kick it off actually with a few ayat, if you don't mind.
1: Okay, Inshallah. I Allah the وأقيموا الصلاة وآتوا الزكاة واركعوا مع الراكعين أتأمرون الناس بالبر وتنسون أنفسكم وأنتم تتلون الكتاب أفلا تعقلون واستعينوا بالصبر والصلاة وإنها لكبيرة إلا على الخاشعين الذين يظنون أنهم ملاقو ربهم وأنهم إليه راجعون. Alhamdulillah. لله. مبارك.
0: I was trying to look up the translation. Do you have the the ayat, the numbers that you were reciting?
1: Um, I, I don't. I think they should be uh, ayat around around forty, maybe forty one, okay. forty two of of Surah Al-Baqarah. But uh, I think uh, what they generally mean the first ayah wa zakata Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here he's commanding us to establish the prayer and to give the zakat and to make ruku' with those that make ruku' again emphasizing you know the importance of prayer. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Do you command people with to do righteous deeds and you forget yourselves? While you recite the book, Do you are you not people of understanding? So this is a reminder for you know you and I that we are here and you know telling the people about this book and this khair, but we should also this should be a reminder for us first. And we should not forget ourselves, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and seek the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through patience and through prayer. And that this is something that is heavy or something that is, you know, a, a big deal, except to those people that have khushu' and you know they, they humble themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Allah gives okay. them uh, the description of you know who are those types type of people. <inaudible> those that think you know that they are going to meet Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and wa <inaudible> that eventually they are going to return back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So this is you know the few ayats that we read. Uh, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allow us to understand them. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala allow us to implement them in our lives.
0: Amin. Um, we we had sort of wrapped up the last uh, conversation about um, the section still on the, the overarching uh, component of the soul, but mm-hmm. it was the purification section that we had touched on, and we were just entering into the prayer section.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I, I think we're going to do something slightly different this time.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: there is a, a companion series. And uh, we're going to be publishing some of this uh, online soon. But this companion series is a set of book notes. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the publisher or the, the director of publishing, Mahazadeen, has been putting together a series of book notes that mm-hmm. capture you know, key ideas, critical points, discussion questions, uh, critical thinking points, even, you know, uh, action items and activities that someone could take from each of these sections of the book. And right now it's available for for i've shared it out with mass members across the country um Absolutely. it's a great you know it's a great companion series something that you can read before you read the book uh before you read each section or after you read each section you can go to it um it'll just get you thinking a little bit more about the book and the subject itself mm-hmm. so I thought we'd jump into some of these uh critical thinking and discussion prompts
1: and okay.
0: so i'll We'll kind of jump around back and forth on a few of these, but I was curious um, mm-hmm. if, if if you had some thoughts on the question of how does modern society attempt to satisfy the needs of the soul? Right. So part of part of this section is talking about how the salah, the prayer, is a source of tranquility and relief. And so mm-hmm. when we think about, you know, every how how is modern society trying to satisfy those needs? has it succeeded or has it failed in doing that?
1: Um, I think uh, the modern society has you know, completely failed in trying to satisfy uh, the needs of our souls. Uh, and when I speak about mar- modern society, of course, we're talking about people that don't have access to perform the prayer or they don't have the knowledge of, of the salah that we have. Um, they've tried you know, different methods on how to satisfy the longing that they have of connecting with a, a higher power whether it's through different forms of of worship, meditation, yoga, or even, uh, you know, taking medication or whatever it is, for them to satisfy that, you know, the urge that they have inside of them to seek a higher power. So I don't think, there are many ways they've tried, but I don't think they've they've actually succeeded in in finding one that completely fulfills the need that they have inside of their souls.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because... um... You know, I was thinking about the when you were sharing this point, the the perspective where you were mentioning is sometimes the individual perspective. An individual recognizes that there's something missing about their life. Um, it's not enough just to eat, right, to have your body mm-hmm. uh, quench its thirst and its, its hunger. That's one aspect of life. Then another aspect of life sometimes is you need maybe an exercise. Uh, you need maybe a social aspect of who you are as an individual. You need mm-hmm. to interact with people, have relationships. Um, but even when you put all these together, let's say you have all of the things that you need from these different areas, mm-hmm. I think everybody recognizes that there's something more to our experience in life um, and our experience in this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Not satisfied by any of those, often we say material things, right? Yeah. And so I think that's that's an interesting place because – Um, When an individual starts to recognize that, then they start to seek the quote unquote, uh, the spiritual, the, the, um, Mm -hmm. sometimes they talk about the mind. So they look for something and maybe in psychology, something Mm -hmm. they might for in sometimes traditions and culture, and they Mm -hmm. look for meaning. So meaning is one of the things that it's a very it's very important for people to find in their lives because even when let's say you're the most successful person and you have everything around you all the time you you want to make sure that you're doing something that has a
2: purpose mm-hmm. in life yep. mm-hmm.
0: so they so they start to look for this uh, to answer it when i when i read this question i thought about modern society meaning the the world that exists around us you know the things that we have whether it's school or jobs today the the main things that i think about are career and academics. These mm-hmm. are the things, of course, money, fame, and other things. So you have the people who they don't have necessarily a career as like a professional. They mm-hmm. might not be a doctor engineer. They might not be a, a graduate of a top school, but they're mm-hmm. still famous. You know, they could be famous on YouTube. They could be famous on social media. Mm-hmm. They could be very wealthy. So those people also, we look at them as having achieved something in life. So, But but it's it's the career and it's the academics that Mm -hmm. really stand out for people in society. So Mm -hmm. when you talk to people and you talk to people, uh, you know, towards the early part of their life, they're seeking those things. Right. So they're they're looking to satisfy uh, that aspect. They think that will achieve for them the meaning in life uh, or really what their soul is yearning for. But they haven't begun to, you know, really experience life enough to know what that question means. So I I, I agree with you. I don't think modern society is designed. And by designed, I mean, you know, people who are uh, pushing and advocating and developing the institutions that we live by. They did not develop them thinking about uh, our soul. They and, for, and it's not necessarily a negative thing. Many people develop good institutions for, you know, hospitals, medical institutions, even these academic institutions and career institutions are great, but they're not trying to address your soul. You don't go to school thinking that they will make you feel, uh, you know, the complete rejuvenation beyond the intellect. You don't go to work thinking that you're going to have some spiritual experience you know you go because it's a job it's a career it's a challenge you know sometimes intellectually sometimes physically so yeah i would agree with you i don't think you know modern society has really addressed those needs so then it comes back to what about the the salah what addressed the needs of the soul
1: um so the salah it 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 you know it has the purpose of connecting you to what we are seeking you know that that satisfaction that purpose that we are looking for it 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 connects you to that higher power that uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created in us to to want to connect with so when you are in the prayer what it does is you the salah <clears throat> you know it's you can look at it as exercise or whatever people look at it as but at the end of the day, it is a connection between the servant and the master. You know, that time where you uh, you leave all of the dunya away and you focus on the connection between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what it does is it fulfills that need that is there for, for your soul. And salah is the food mm. for your soul. Mm. That's
0: beautiful. And it, it's one of the quotes I wanted to share from here. It says, uh, it's in page 23, you know, mm. talking about this exact, uh, point prayer nurtures the soul is the section and the quote mm. is prayer is where we experience the company of god and quench our hearts with the love of the exalted and so just this idea of experiencing this relationship with allah and and it being uh just the way we quench our thirst it's quenching our hearts um, mm-hmm. with the love of the exalted and of course the ayah that's in this section is a really beautiful one. And mm-hmm. many of us have heard this ayah before, but it's great uh, to share as a reminder. So I'll just read the Arabic and the translation. It mm-hmm. says, I mm-hmm. So, So the rough translation of the meaning here, this is in uh, Surah 13, Ayah 28. It says, Those who have faith and whose hearts find peace in the remembrance of God. Truly, mm-hmm. it is in the remembrance of God that hearts find peace. Allah and Allah. so this, this really, I think, is at the heart of, um, you know, I, talking about how prayer affects our soul. It's, mm-hmm. This is one of the, the primary points that he highlights.
1: Subhanallah, and I like the way that <laughs> if you look at this ayah it's, <clears throat> it's talking about you know finding uh, peace inside of your heart people and this is of course here it's talking about you know the soul finding the satisfaction of the soul people have tried many different things to mm-hmm. you know fill that satisfaction whether like you said it's their careers their knowledge or uh, with money or with w- whatever it is from the dunya that they have tried to you know, fill it with, they have to realize that this is a creation that is not necessarily going to be filled with the the things from the dunya. You know, so it needs something else that is not from here to fill it. And that is the prayer and the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
0: Mm, SubhanAllah. And I think there's something important here because I remember, you know, early on in my life when I was sort of trying to learn more and, and practice Islam more, I remember something that I was now I realize I was confused by it uh, but then I was I was definitely misunderstanding it hmm. and when you highlight the idea that it's not in other things that we find the true remembrance of with Allah the true connection and the tranquility our hearts don't get satisfied with anything except that connection to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and I, I think the distinction you made is great. The ayah here mentions qulub, uh but it's obviously not referring to the physical heart. Although, although we mm-hmm. could we could talk a little bit about you know, the physical aspect of it, but definitely um, our souls do not find contentment except with the remembrance of Allah. Okay. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that those other things aren't valuable. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that academics are not important. That career mm-hmm. is not important. That seeking yeah. Not seeking wealth for the sake of wealth, uh, you know, but seeking a living, uh, a livelihood, the relationships with the family and friends. So I think all it means is that we should know which thing achieves which objective, Mm -hmm. right? The academics and the intellectual approach and the career oriented nature of our work is Mm -hmm. important for who we are as individuals. Mm -hmm. When we start to think that that's the answer for the thing that's missing in our hearts, that's, That's when good. we we're we're totally we're off base, right? And yes, so Allah true. here I think is is the beautiful thing is it's it's a reminder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh it's a reminder, interestingly, this ayah mm-hmm. is a dhikr, that the dikr of Allah, right? It's a reminder yeah. that the remembrance of Allah is the thing um that hearts find peace. It's and fine. I I've I've actually, you know, taken a different approach now. I try mm-hmm. to tell people not like especially someone who may not be praying regularly. Mm-hmm. If you tell them that this is the answer, it's like telling someone, someone who's never had ice cream or someone who's never had, I don't know, pizza or a hamburger. <laughs> yeah. How do you explain to someone what that thing is? You know, you sometimes, there are some things you have to experience,
2: yeah, something yeah. that you have to
0: taste so you can understand yeah. them. And so the, the the point that I wanted to end with is, You know, someone, we shouldn't try to think that by giving someone the knowledge that this is the truth, that this will help them make that, you know, that transition. Because I remember growing up and a lot of us, you know, you actually, as much as you hear about the importance of prayer, it's not always the knowledge of it that helps you become someone who prays consistently. Sometimes it's the experience. And so hopefully, you know, creating a positive environment, where people can, you know, draw closer to the prayer. Once they start mm. to experience it, it's, it's so hard to take away from someone who has had the experience. You know, you can't, you can't push them away from the prayer anymore. It gets much more difficult.
1: Yes. Yeah, uh, so uh, now uh, I want to move on to uh, one of the other critical thinking uh, prompts. It says, what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mean when he said, rise Bilal and relieve us with prayer? How can prayer be relief?
0: Oh, I, I really like this one. This is something that I thought about. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a personal experience that helped me realize what this was. Because I always, I struggled with this and I still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first, I don't remember exactly when was the first time I heard this, but I remember when I first heard this, I thought to myself, man, if only I could reach that status or to reach that place where I feel like, man, the prayer is such a relief. So I'll talk about it from one perspective. I think there are many perspectives to think about it from, but I'll just give one. Um, The prayer itself sometimes physically feels challenging. Um, Mm -hmm. when You're laying around, you know, maybe just playing video games or watching TV or mm-hmm. you know just being lazy prayer is mm-hmm. difficult of course when you're waking up from sleep right you got to yeah, get up you gotta move you got to you got to wash your face sometimes with cold water mm-hmm. you know you have to basically it, it's a there's there is an aspect of a physical challenge to it so you don't when you're waking up from your warm bed and you're going out to the cold to pray that doesn't feel like a relief Right. Yeah. But the experience that I had that, you know, helped me uh, get a small glimpse of this. um, I've never uh, the jobs I've always had have been desk jobs. So I've always worked in in careers and and, in the field where I was working at a desk. And for many people, you know, you're working at a desk, you're working at a computer, Um, although there are many have, you know, jobs that are more physically challenging. So they Mm -hmm. have a different experience here. But for those of us sitting behind a computer, right, um, after you've been sitting for a while in a comfortable chair, you know, these these computer chairs are designed for you to sit in them for hours. um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels difficult to get up to push yourself to pray. Uh, I started using a standing desk, you know, several years ago. And so that means I'm standing for the majority of my day. I encourage everyone there's a lot of good research behind why you should be um, you know using a standing desk or standing for most of your day. so at the beginning, when you first start to stand for a couple hours of the day instead of sitting all day, mm-hmm. um, you start to feel a little tired you know your legs start to feel like they're experiencing like a lot more stress obviously um, yeah. people who have been doing this you know as a career, people who are out there working on their feet all the time, they know what that experience is like. So that was the first time when I went to pray, I was like, man, this feels so good. I'm it's like incredible. relaxing just, just from a physical perspective. You know, it felt yeah. like there was a relief in terms of, okay, I get to stretch and kind of, I wasn't using the prayer as a stretching, but then naturally the prayer movements are sitting and there's the the ruku and the sujud, you know, the bowing mm-hmm. and the prostrating. So that was, at least in my experience, one of the things that I thought about when um when I thought about how this was a relief, the physical aspect of it,
2: but Inshallah. of course it
0: comes with the fact that you have to be doing something challenging, you know, to then feel the relief from the prayer. If you're just mm. like like I said, you know, if you're just hanging out on a couch or um, you're not going to really feel that same type of relief physically, at least. Woody, what about yourself?
1: I think uh, when when I look at this prompt and this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I think of the relief that comes from, uh, you know, this is by the the wording that the Prophet is using. It he's, they're in difficult time, so he's asking him, you know, let us remove uh, this suffering that we are enduring or this moment that is hard on us by praying, and I think uh, it it lets you focus on the fact that you are connecting with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, so it. The, your dunya problems, now you are bringing it in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you realize that there's going to be relief either in this dunya or in the akhirah. You know, you are going to be relieved of whatever you are going through. So pray when, you know, the time of hardships come to you, get up and pray the salah. When you pray the salah, it should, you know, take when you're worried and all of these things are, are going through your mind, anxiety or whatever it is, you get up and you offer the prayer, then these things will be relieved from you even if it is only for that moment that you are in prayer. SubhanAllah.
0: That's a really interesting one.
1: I think yeah. even
0: um, another, another uh, related aspect to that is yeah. when, you're, when you're out involved and connected and working in the community, sometimes yeah. you start to hear a lot of negativity. Sometimes you start to hear a lot of, you know, voices yeah. that are, are negative and also maybe even attacking you. Uh, sometimes even within the community within family friends and the the community you even hear um, the negative uh, or the, the voices that are basically trying to hold you back from achieving what you want to achieve yeah. and the, uh, something I never thought of it but it was mentioned that the prayer also is a form of this comes in it's a little bit of a preview it because I remember reading it from uh, a later section about prayer that mm-hmm. also requires quietness the yeah, only thing cited in the prayer <clears throat> is saying in the prayer is either the ayat of Quran or the tasbih and the the, the glorification of Allah, the ta'ala. of Allah so there's nothing else that you're saying in the prayer except mm-hmm. those things yeah. so it's a beautiful sort of relief from uh, sometimes if you if you watch the news too much oh. the prayer is an amazing relief from all, all the negativity that's on there so, and uh, uh yeah, that's another yeah. one
1: that I think much know, as well. It it offers us, uh, you know, it, it gives us a chance to realign our properties or our priorities. You know what is really going on in our lives and what is having an effect on me, whether it's what people are saying about me or what is, you know, generally just going on in the world. You come, you stand in front of your prayer mat and face the qibla, and you start the salah. It, it removes all of these things away, and for that moment, you are only thinking about Allah Subhanahu wa Taala you are thinking about the remembrance through the ayats and through the tasbih and the tahli that you are doing, the takbirs that you are doing, you are focusing back on what is really important. So after the prayer, it should have the effect of, okay, you know, those things that were bothering me, those things that are going on all around the world, yes, they are important things that are happening. And these things, are, you know, some of the things people say about you, they really hurt you. But here in this mm-hmm. moment, you realize the only thing that you are, aspiring for. The only thing that you are looking forward to is that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you get it from you know that prayer.
0: Yeah that's beautiful I think when you connect it to what's happening in the world the way you said. You know even when we care about you know Muslims or anyone in the world that's facing oppression.
2: Yes. um, Mm.
0: We care about it not because we are somehow special. Like if if, if I just as an individual had some feelings about something. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? You know, I'm just one among all the billions of uh, humans and yeah. one among the even billions and trillions of other living things. Why should my thoughts be important? So it's not important because it's my thoughts. You know, it's an, it's an important experience and it's an important feeling because this is something that Allah has, has taught us, you know, that these are, and given us the fitra to feel, you know, the, when someone is harmed, that that's not right, to want that justice, to want to seek that justice. Yeah. Um, so standing in front of Allah and going out and working, you know, in the community, serving people, working mm-hmm. for, you know, uh, positive change and social justice, yeah. those are actually not different things. You know, you're, you're not doing one of them for someone else, and then only the salah is done for Allah. Uh, even if it's, you know, seeking your, your success in your academics or seeking success in your work, you know, yeah. you're not doing it for yourself or anybody else. Again, you know, you're bringing it back to doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa
1: ta'ala. Yes, subhanAllah. This is, uh, you know, we can continue talking about this relief that, you know, comes and, and what we get. But before we uh, finish our time, there's uh, one more question I would love to ask you. Mm-hmm. So it says, how can sunnah prayers and other extra prayers increase the effectiveness of our prayer?
0: I like this one. I'll see if I can give a short answer. I'd really love to hear your perspective on this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great question because we often don't spend enough time. I grew up um, in, in my family culture. My family's from Afghanistan. So mm-hmm. for me I never saw the difference between sunnah and fard it was kind of like mm. everybody prays the 12 for zuhur everybody prays um you know the asr doesn't at least in the in, in the
2: our yeah. tradition yeah pray yeah
0: the maghrib and is it was just part of the prayer right mm. later i learned okay you know this is the sunnah this is the fard and then i saw some people who were not afghan <laughs> sometimes other cultures that don't necessarily pray Um, Um, sunnah as consistently. So it's interesting that when you, I'm sure you can notice it. And of course, this is not a a matter of question about individuals, but at least in my view, the experience that I've had is, and I I hope I aspire to do better at this myself personally. But mm -hmm. when you're, I heard this from one of the teachers that when you're making an effort to be on time and be precise and follow the example of the Prophet wasallam <laughs> and the extra prayers that he did around mm-hmm. the fard, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's, it's not even a question anymore of how precise and on time and, and, and consistent you are with the fard. So I thought that was one of mm-hmm. the best um, lessons that by really emphasizing, you know, and adhering to the Prophet's uh, extra prayers, the sunnah,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and maybe that's something you could help define as well, right? what is the difference between sunnah and nawafir and fard? So, and what is your sort of consistency?
1: So for me, um, I'll give also a very short answer. One, you know, the people that come from, like you said, that come from your culture and those that are close to it, you know, our brothers and sisters from uh, India and Pakistan, whenever you go to their masjids, you know, this is something that, I wish we can have in, in, in every single masjid where they'll pray the, the fard, they'll pray duhur or they'll pray asr, whatever it is. They'll pray the salah and then you almost see everybody get up and offer the sunnah. You know, when you go to uh, different masjids, they, <clears throat> you don't really see this. And this is important because we know that in the beginning, the Prophet wasallam, he was commanded to pray 50 prayers a day. And if you pray all of the sunnah prayers in, with, with the five daily prayers, you are going to pray those 50 prayers. So the Prophet ﷺ, every single day, he used to offer 50 prayers. You know, between the sunnah, uh, the, the, the sunnah you know, the, the extra prayers and the wajib prayers, you put them together, it would be 50. So if we followed him in that way, we would also fulfill this, you know, the first command that came down of, of praying 50 prayers when the Prophet ﷺ performed, the, you know, the night journey. So the the difference between all of these type, types of prayers, there's the five daily prayers: Fajr, Zuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made it wajib upon every single Muslim to offer to pray this prayer. And this is, you know, the bare the the bare minimum of what a Muslim should do. These are the prayers that we should establish. Then the Prophet sallallahu on top of these, he used to offer. Uh, d- different prayers that are called the sunnah prayers. There's the sunnah al-rawatib, you know, the 12 rak'ahs or the, yeah, the 12 pra- sunnah prayers throughout the day that accompany each Fard prayer. You know, the two rak'ahs before Fajr, four before Duhur and two uh, two rak'ahs after Duhur, two after Maghrib, and two after Isha. The Prophet وسلم, said, whoever prays these prayers, Allah will build him a house in the middle of Jannah. All right, so this is you know one one of the things that uh, you aim for when you pray, and then on top of that, there's you know the prayer of duha, which the Prophet ﷺ used to pray, which is between fajr and Duhur, you know, before um, around, around between those two prayers, and there's the prayer that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray after when the sun immediately rose. After the sun rises, they've prayed fajr, he would wait in his uh, musalla where he prayed. And then after the sun rises, salat al-shuruq, he would get up and he and he would pray. And the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever stays in his place of fajr, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, until the sun rises and gets up and offers two rak'ah it is as if he has went and performed a complete umrah and hajj. Subhanallah, just by offering, you know, those two prayers, those two raka'ahs. So these are you know, some, uh, some of the benefits in, in offering the, the sunnah. And then we know the night prayer that the Prophet used to offer every single night. Whether he was sick, whether he was traveling, whatever state he was in, he would offer that, that prayer. Now these prayers, the way that they help your fard prayer is the more times that you are remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the easier it is for you to offer the prayers properly. You know, as they say, when uh, you repeat something a thousand times or you, you do something a thousand times, you will become better at it the more you, you continue doing it. So the if you want to perfect your prayers, you have to pray them more often. So imagine instead of praying just the five daily prayers, you incorporate these other sunnas, then obviously the more you pray, the better your prayer is going to be. You know, the the, 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 the more feeling that you are going to have once you are inside of the prayer. So when you compare a person that is constantly praying all of the sunnah and he's always in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to somebody that just prays five times a day, of course you're going to see the difference. And a lot of people, you know, I, I truly believe in order for you to uh, taste the sweetness of salah, you have to offer it more than five times a day. You know, prayer, it it, it has to be there. And for me as an imam, you know, when uh, when you're leading the prayer, it's very hard for you to uh, really have khushu' in that time, because there's a lot of worries that you know you go through when you're leading the people. You know, you're always fighting with your intentions of why you're doing this, why you're reading these ayats, and uh, you know, is this long enough? Is this short enough? All of these things that you think about. So the place that I find, uh, you know, the sweetness of prayers are in the extra prayers where there's nobody praying with me and it's just between me and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And I know that if if you don't have those in your life, then you're not going to be able to, you know, truly enjoy the five daily prayers. Hopefully.
0: That's that's great, great insight. I really appreciate that. You know, I mean, I I have to be honest, and I I, want to say this publicly, Mm. you know, this, this time that we get to spend together having this conversation, uh, even if we didn't publish it, I would love to do this, you know, uh, whether or not anyone else benefited from it. It's an amazing benefit for me in my life. My life um, and subhanAllah, so kind of usually it feels like when you're enjoying something, you feel like time is just, uh, you know, stopped almost. and you're just. Yeah. But all of a sudden I notice, before I notice it, uh, we start to move towards the end of time. And I really wish we could even uh, extend it. And inshallah, we'll have more sessions like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, khayt, I think we'll, we'll sort of wrap up here. We'd Zazakal love to get khayt. your kind of closing words of advice. And we can close with a dua as well.
1: Inshallah, the, the, the last advice that we can give, obviously, uh, every single one of us should be praying five times a day. But now let's make that effort, you know, really try to add the other sunnah into our lives, whether it's the prayers after, you know, the 12 sunnah prayers so that you can earn a palace in the middle of Jannah, or whether every morning you you, you get the reward of performing Umrah and Hajj by just praying two rak'ahs and usually between the time that we pray fajr and sunrise, it's 30 minutes, 40 minutes. If you can do that, or if you can pray the night prayer, which the Prophet wasallam said, sharaful mu'mini fi qiyamihi, you know, that the honor of the believer is in his night prayer. So if you want to have your honor and you want you know, the enjoyment of salah to come, make sure that you take some time out of your days and out of your nights so you can find the joy of prayer. Insha'Allah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow the prayer to benefit us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst a people that worship Him day and night and remember Him constantly. Wa ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.